Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This summer, we are taking you on the road as we travel to Spain. We're in Spain on a road trip, and the point of this for the podcast is to actually discuss what are some similarities and differences that we notice between Portugal and Spain, and especially when we're talking about the cities that we visit? First city, stop number one, Bilbao. Initial thoughts on Bilbao, Kaylee? I really liked it. So we have been to Bilbao before. Josh and I, a long time ago, lived in Madrid and we had visited. And the only thing I really remember from Bilbao from that trip was Guggenheim, the museum, and I loved it. I loved the Guggenheim Museum. Um, so I was looking forward to seeing that again and then just trying to remember like what, anything really with Bilbao. So after a few days there, um, yeah, wow. It's like, a, I would say it's a city, but it's not an overwhelming city. It has a bit of like a big city look as far as the architecture goes but a small city feel, but still a city, not like a small town or anything, but a small city feel, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. So uh, a couple of things I'm gonna say. First is the comparison between Bilbao, Spain, and somewhere in Portugal. I'm just gonna jump straight to it. There is no comparison. Now, it is this hybrid between the town feel, city town feel of Braga, and the grandness of Lisbon. It, it jumped beyond what Porto is in terms of grandness. The layout is very different. Um, it does feel like a capital city. It is the capital really of the Basque region. So there is that going for it. If I had to sum up Bilbao in one word, that word is sophisticated. Oh, okay, Ooh, fancy. It, 
isn't it? It's not, it's not like this airy kind of like nose up in the air type of stuck upness that I think that you can get maybe in Madrid or at least in parts of Madrid, mm. but it's this like very different Spanish culture that seems to be a little more thoughtful uh, in terms of the interactions with people. Yes, they're nice, just like the north in, in Portugal. So maybe that's where like the Braga field comes in, where you yep. get the niceness of the north of Portugal uh, with the people. Yeah. But then the grandness. I mean, it's manicured as well, which is nice, kind of like what Braga has as opposed to like Porto. Right? Yeah, but you know, I guess yeah. Porto, some people will say it's gritty or, you know, um, the colors are a little darker, I'd say, like the architecture colors, right? Grays and such. Uh, whereas the architecture, that's where it comes in a bit more Lisbon grand. You could say, although I was quite surprised at all the different colors, the different styles of buildings. There's yeah. glass as well. Um, so, yeah, I can see what you're saying, that it'd be like a hybrid between Lisbon and, and Braga, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, the architecture is, is ornate, so it has that kind of European feel where I think when a lot of people think of Europe and traveling Europe and living in Europe, they're thinking of that more ornate uh, building architecture, although... Bilbao does have another side to it. What's that side? Well, like the the Guggenheim artsy. Oh yeah, is that where uh, you get the whole sophisticated that word? That's where you're no, going. No, no, I think the sophistication comes from not only the people, but also the the style, the older style, the historic style of the architecture and building and whatnot. Now, the design of the city is very blocky. It's it's quite gridded out, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. Worldpost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon purchases. US. And you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. (laughs) She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitano Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location, in a livable location, until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers 
visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. What were some things that you didn't like about Bilbao? There were some hills, like some big hills. I know that we talk about in Porto and Lisbon, the hills. And Lisbon, you know, you get some pretty high-grade ones. But um, I was surprised at the hills because, I mean, it has the river that runs through. So I guess if you sit really low, that would be something kind of like Porto. When you're down by the river, it's fine, but then you have to go uphill. Same thing as in Porto. Um, but these hills seem bigger. I don't know, grander. Now, what but I did like, benefit. oh, gosh, they, they do this right. <laughs> There'll be these elevators. Like yes. they're kind of inconspicuous a little bit. Sometimes yes. hard to find. But you see someone pop out of one, and you're like, "Where did that come from?" Yep. And so then you don't have to walk up these hills. You have these like elevators that take you really, really high up there, which is really cool. So yeah, I think free that to is use. so smart. Free to use, clean. Um, just so smart to have that for a city that has hills like that. Any other things that you didn't like? Any things I did not like? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was a little confusing, um, like what language I should be using. Oh, that was rough. So my Spanish is basically obliterated because Portuguese has taken over my mind. Yeah. Like, I feel like my brain can only be occupied by one other foreign language <laughs> at a time. That um, was hard. So what was happening to me is I know it can be a bit of a thing in Barcelona where you go up to someone and you just start speaking in Spanish, Castilian. Spanish. Um, not that it's necessarily offensive, but we know from our time there that a lot of, a lot of Catalonians would just prefer you speak English, um, right? Yeah, but I, As opposed to Castilian. There's sure. a different language in the Basque country. Yes, yes. Basque is a different language. It look, definitely looks differently. Yeah, it looks very different, actually. At first, I was like, what is that language? Yes, <laughs> so, so different. I defaulted to English mm -hmm. when I would first start speaking to people. And if they had, like, a blank look on their face or didn't seem like they wanted to operate or felt comfortable operating in English, I just switched to my busted Spanish and gave it <laughs> and a go. It. But yeah, honestly, it worked. You have a funny story about that restaurant we went to yesterday, but before that, yeah. I want to point out the similarity there with, I think that like when Spanish come over to Portugal, um, or if you know Spanish, but you don't know Portuguese, it's actually better to speak English, mm. you know, than speaking Spanish. Cause there's a bit of that rivalry, rivalry. between these two countries. Yes. So if you are a native English speaker, but you know Spanish, uh, and you're in Portugal and you think, oh, I'll do Spanish because it's a little more similar than English, actually just stick with English because they would prefer that. Most of them, I mean, English is so high in Portugal anyway, but because of that little rivalry, rivalry, I think that they would prefer English over Spanish. But what about that that story yesterday when we went to the restaurant and you talked to the two ladies and trying to figure out the language? Oh, yeah. So I, I went into this um, restaurant that's famous for Basque food, and I, I wasn't sure how to order. So I walked up to the bar, and I first asked if they spoke English, and the lady that greeted me was like, uh, in Spanish, said, no, I don't but my colleague speaks English. So 
the colleague comes over and her English was fine. Um, but I was like, you know what? Let me just try in Spanish. So I tried in Spanish and uh, maybe one or two Portuguese words slipped out uh, to the one that spoke English. Like I said a few Portuguese words and I said, sorry, uh, I live in Portugal. Um, so Portuguese is like on my mind. And she laughs and she goes, oh, okay. Well, she, meaning the other girl, knows Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. So it was like we had all three languages kind of covered. I mean, I, I probably could have operated better. I definitely could have operated better in English, but I could have operated better in Portuguese with my original server. But at least with all that, you had the languages covered and languages we, covered. we knew it would be good. But they were so nice anyway. I mean, I think that's another thing that, you know, again, another uh, example of how nice they are. Yeah. Okay. Tourism-wise, um, obviously with it being the summer right now, it is peak tourism time in Portugal, especially in the likes of, of Porto and Lisbon. And in Bilbao, maybe it's peak season, but it sure doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel overly crowded the way it does in the historic city centers of both of the, both of the cities in Portugal. What do you think is up with that? I think maybe it's a little more spread out um, I mean, Lisbon's quite big, but it felt it felt pretty busy down by the river by the Guggenheim, I would say. That was like the bu busiest area um, down there. But yeah, maybe it's a bit more spread out on stuff to do, things to see. So that's why it didn't seem as busy. But also, too, remember the you were saying that the guy at the hotel, we were talking about parking. Yep. And he was saying that parking in, in the summer is easy, right? Well, he so, said he said it was cheaper. Cheaper. Yeah. Do you think that that's was interesting. is that for because tourists are coming in in the summer it's cheaper or because it's not really a peak season for them? But why? I mean, do people visit more in the um, people that probably don't visit as much in the winter because the weather is usually worse. It's, yeah, and it's rainy. Yeah. It gets rainy here in the winter, right? It does. Yeah. Um I would imagine yeah, they're maybe trying to appeal to tourism. I don't know. I, I found it strange that he said that. Like for me, it, it's like city parking. Why wouldn't you just keep that all year round? Consistent, right? Maybe parking garages. I could see them having a little more pricing elasticity, change, changing the prices based on the, the volume of people in the city. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the point of the municipality doing that is. That could be confusing for residents. Yeah, yeah I guess you, you, or you annoying just know. For you residents. Know, maybe annoying if it yeah changes. But, um, but actually, the app worked really well. So Yes. The, the ticket machines or the parking meters did not work well, <laughs> but the app did work well. So that was nice. And that was nice because you could actually top up from, you know, anywhere. But then if you weren't going to use your time, you could, like, cancel it and it would refund you, which I thought that was oh, a really it? cool option to do. Yeah. So okay. if you overdid the amount and you're like, ah, I'm leaving earlier, you don't lose that money. You get to get to have that money back That's but nice. if we're staying on the topic of like driving and such i thought so I'll, since we're driving yeah we yeah when we say we're, we're hitting the road we literally are driving right now uh we've left bilbao and we're on to our next location but uh driving around bilbao was pretty easy i would say it um it was very slow <laughs> there are a lot of lights it's weird they have like a light for the driver and then they'll have a, also for the driver like right in front of the crosswalk so you might have a green light to 
go across the intersection, but then you have a red light at the crosswalk. So there were a lot of lights. There was that, but the, I thought there's some things that are a little confusing as far as the layout goes, but there's not so much traffic that it's overwhelming. This is where I think in like Porto and Lisbon, especially, um, the traffic can just be so much that it can be stressful and a bit too much. Uh, and this was, was easy driving. I thought around the city now, Initially parking was fine, but then of course, like on our last day when we were looking for parking in a specific area, we could not find it. And we drove around and drove around and drove around looking for parking, Super which was crazy. Duper annoying. And on the weekends it's free, although we didn't see too many parking garages uh, anyway, but you know, it's like, why would we pay for a parking garage when we know that street parking is free today? But that, that was a bit tough. So it seems like, it, it felt like they had a lot of parking, but it was like, there were just a lot of cars out there parked today. Not so much driving around, but parked. Yeah. So driving around Bilbao is fine. So actually like for us, it's our first stop. We picked up a car at the airport. We drove into the city, easy peasy. And then now we're out. So driving around this area is really nice. And just a quick little side note, where we're driving is just very green and lush, which yeah. I think is also because, you know, it rains and such in the winters. And so it's kind of a, more of a lush type of look. So it's a really pretty drive now. Let's talk a little bit about population, make some comparisons between both Portugal and Spain. Um, from my research, the, I've got some figures pulled up to chat a little bit about population, but would you consider Bilbao to be a second city in Spain? Now, what I mean by that is like, Madrid is absolutely the capital, right? Uh, but also Barcelona is a primary city. You, I wouldn't classify Barcelona as a second city. It's too big, right? Too big to too be big, thought of like a too, second city. Too economically important, mm. too important in terms of tourism. Um, but then there are some other Spanish cities that are, are classically second cities. Is Bilbao a second city for you? I would think it could be a second city. Yeah, okay. I would now, say so. Saying that, Bilbao, depending on how you're counting and where you're looking is either the eighth or 10th most populous city in the country of Spain. Okay. Now, I thought it'd be higher actually. Yes. Now, Porto is number two. It is the second city and there's no other second city, uh, in, in my mind in Portugal, right? right. Every other city after Porto is a, a third city. Much smaller, right? right? Much yeah, smaller. Less developed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Here we are. I'm seeing that the area, the land area of both Bilbao and Porto, 41 square kilometers. Okay, so, okay. so very Same similar. size. Yeah, okay. Population though, you have over 200,000, like 231,000 uh, people that are in Porto. And in Bilbao, we're looking at 346,000 people. So, while Porto is the second city of Portugal, Bilbao being, what was it, 8th, 9th, 10th, around there, yeah. is bigger than Porto. Bigger by, let's say, 33%-ish. That's crazy. Yes. Now, this is, well, this, this is a big difference between Spain and Portugal, right? Yeah. There's just more people in Spain. I mean, obviously, it's a bigger country as well, but yeah. like their second and third cities are potentially bigger than Portugal's only contending second city, right? Yeah. Like... I don't want to say, well, it is kind of by a wide margin, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Like once we start comparing Porto to some cities in Spain, like 
third, fourth, fifth largest cities in Spain, the, the gap really, really starts to widen. I mean, so you're, you're looking at Madrid with 2.8 million, um, Barcelona with 1.4, and this list might be a little old with the census, but you know, it is what Ball it is. Park, yeah. Valencia is over 700,000. Sevilla is almost 700,000. Well, and speaking of Valencia, for those of you who are wondering, she is in the car with us, but she has fallen asleep. Yes. <laughs> that and, is why it is quiet. <laughs> and for those of you who are wondering, Valencia is our daughter. We don't yeah. have a city sitting, <laughs> sitting in the back in our of car. our car. Uh, Sevilla is, like I said, 700,000. Zaragoza is just over 600,000. Uh, so that, that's your top five. Bilbao, according to this list, is, is 351. Uh, which is different than what I saw on Wikipedia. But so 351. So, you know, it's like give or take a couple thousand, uh, depending on what, what list you're checking out. Um, yeah, thoughts on that? Thoughts on what? Thoughts on the, the, just the, the, the population difference. The fact that Porto being the second city Jesus, is exponentially smaller than Barcelona, like five times smaller than Barcelona, but then it's also. Uh, three times smaller than Valencia and Sevilla and Zaragoza is, you know, it's just the massive uh, population difference. Population differences. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we knew that, you know, that I don't, I don't understand why. I guess actually, why do you think that is? That I mean, I know there's more people in Spain, and Spain is a bigger country, but how is it that Portugal doesn't have more? Second cities, I guess you could say. I don't know. I don't know what's happened over the course of time economically. Um, it's just behind in that sense? It really is. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are over 50 cities in Spain that have 100,000 or more people. Think about that. Now, it, what is... Okay, well, this is a question, I guess, and I don't know if you know this or can look it up. What is immigration like in Spain? Like, are, are Immigration these, policy. Well, no, well, in the sense, like, when we're talking about all these numbers, yeah. how, how much are foreigners or non-Spanish? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, that that might... We, let's let's hold that for another episode because uh, I, we'll I look can't it look up. it up right now. And um, that's not good? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've, I've, got, I've got stuff just pulled up on my phone, but I don't have it just sitting in front of me. Well, that is a good question. So we that will get back question. to you on this uh, road trip edition <laughs> with uh, what... What that's like, because we know that, you know, a lot of our listeners are interested. It's like always like Spain versus Portugal. We get a lot of questions about that. You know, maybe people were initially thinking about moving to Spain, but then they ended up landing on Portugal. Yeah. And so I just wonder, uh, you know, what that's like. At one point before kind of this big, uh, let's move to Portugal thing happened, not just talking about this podcast either. (laughs) I mean, like this, this kind of shift in certainly, um, what's going on with Americans, Americans, Canadians, um, and then also Aussies. Portugal's been a much easier place or more known place, I should say, over the past three or four years to, to migrate to. Um, Spain was outpacing Portugal by three and four times. It basically mirrored the, the demographic, the population demographic, you know, where, where Spain's like 40 million, um, Portugal's like 10 or 11 million, right? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like 4X the popularity, but it's also 4X the population. So these things are 
are in line with yeah their mm-hmm. size making Does that sense. Make sense yeah like if you if you break it down by a percentage yeah. it's this it's around the same yeah. yeah 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 the people of latin descent i think have an easier path the same way that uh former portuguese colonies have an easier path mm. to migrating to portugal mm-hmm. um so you're talking about i think a bigger portion of the world's population having the possibility to move to Spain versus Portugal. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. Okay. Thoughts on that? No, I mean that makes sense. And obviously just the same way as in, you know, Portugal with the the language, you have a an easier transition. So someone who lives in let's just say Angola for example, mm-hmm. it's easier for them to move to Portugal because they know the language. Same uh-huh. thing if someone's in I don't know, Costa Rica and they want to move to Spain. Uh, it's a more comfortable move, so that makes sense that that you would do that. Yeah. All right, so let's jump back to Bilbao. Um, oh, you know what I want to talk about? What? Food. The food in Bilbao. Okay, talk about, about it. Well, I was, you know, <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to Bilbao specifically, because that was, I guess, when I talked about earlier, I do remember the food being good. I remember yeah. the Guggenheim, and I remember uh, the tapas being really good in yes. Bilbao. Um, cause Basque, you know, has their own flair for food. Yes. So I was, uh, yeah, well, and they should be actually, I, I think it's good. And, and that was reconfirmed on this trip that yes. I think that it's really good. They, they just have some yummy dishes and yeah. yummy bites and stuff. So I was really looking forward to, to getting back to some of that food. And we'll forgive them for spelling pincho differently. <laughs> yeah. They do spell pincho differently than the name of our dog. For those of you wondering, our dog's name is Pincho, that, and that came from our time in Spain as well. Um, but we spell it differently than they do up here. They spell it with an X, yeah? Yeah. Up here. C-H for us. So, you know, it's, it, it is traditionally like heartier food uh, in the Basque region. They do have their own types of sausage and what, whatnot. That's not too different than what you find in different regions of Portugal, though. Um, Culinarily, what's interesting is you have places, you have menus, let's say, that you can get menus of the day, and they will give you like a whole bottle of wine. Just yes. Like you yes, or, you order the menu. menu of the day, and it comes with vino, and you just have uh, a whole bottle of wine that they give you, and you just pour it yourself. But, you know, we were talking about this at the table because I got red and Josh got white. They just brought a bottle of each. And you look around and everyone gets a bottle, but they're not they're not going through that whole bottle, right? No, they, uh, we, had a, we had a glass out of it. Yeah, I think glass, glass and a half max, I guess. But, mm. like, yeah, and people are about the same, right? They're not pounding that bottle because it's there. But the, so the menu that we talked about with that one was really good. So it was, uh, let's see, you had your, you know, your first and second. And then you had bread, water, wine, dessert. and dessert, and it, that was thirteen fifty for the menu for all that food. And I was full. I mean, I wasn't Stuffed. even ready for dinner later that day, and it wasn't. We didn't eat super late or anything in the afternoon, but um, that was. It was really good food. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was fantastic food. I mean, unfortunately, we didn't have or we don't have two stomachs to just be able to consume all the food that we want. Well, I think that's kind of a problem when we travel is we think we have two stomachs and then, and then we, we end up getting then we two get, bellies. Then we, yeah, <laughs> then we end up uh, getting back to Portugal and we're like, whoa, we've gained a little bit of weight. Yeah, that's right. But sometimes it's hard to, uh, to not take part, you know, in all of it. Yeah. So I would say that the, the tapas culture is very strong in the north as well. Yes. Uh, 
in northern Spain. And it's not overly expensive. All of the cañas, which are like your standard glasses of beer, were less than three euros, like everywhere we passed by. We never paid three euros. I just saw it on some menus. Um, but these are also for the domestic beers. These aren't for, for craft beers. Mm -hmm. So we were paying like in between two and 250, which is more than you would find in a standard place in Portugal, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. like the typical hole in the wall place or mom and pop place generally, you've got a little bit cheaper for the domestic beer. But then also the wine is good. I mean, you know, we're in wine country as well. So that's nice to, to have some good wine well, we're definitely driving to wine country right now. We're, mm -hmm. we're going to go to the principal city of La Rioja. And if uh, you don't recognize that word, that word is the word for the most f famous, really, of Spanish wines. La Rioja has both red and white wine. Um, historically, the red wine, the Tinto, is, is the, the one. But the white wine's gotten a lot better. I think it's the same in Portugal where the, the, the Douro Valley wine, you know, a lot of people look at the Douro Red as being the, the historic, like, big boy, but they're starting to produce some really nice white wines as well. Mm-hmm. Very true. And you know what I realized? We're talking about food, but we yes. didn't throw out any, any, like, actual food that we ate. Names? So, yeah, just okay. a few things. I mean, like, for me, I really like croquettes, which I know is a Spanish thing, but, yeah. um, but I was looking forward to that and the you don't uh, often tortilla. Get yeah, yeah, that's not really in, something that's in, in, Portugal, in Portugal often. Mm -hmm. um, the tortilla as well, also not something that's super Portuguese, uh, mm -hmm. even though they're very close. Yeah. So those are two things that I've already eaten a couple of times and yeah. really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, I would say similarity is they do like their French fries here as well. Yeah. So you definitely. get like a like a meat, you know, like a maybe thin slice of beef and your slab of uh, French fries. One thing that is different that I think I like a little better is if do sauces here on fries. So you could have yeah, your, like your plain, plain ones, but you also have like your alioli yeah. or um, ravas, right? Yeah, so this I was, do like that. This was my mistake is, you know, we were just in a restaurant before jumping in the car and I saw on the menu, there was a patata frita, uh, patatas fritas in okay. Spanish, yeah. Yeah, with a P, no, right? No, sorry, patatas, patatas fritas. Right, instead of patatas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I, I read that knowing that it's, uh, it translates as fried potatoes. Um, and it said that it had an alioli sauce. Okay, that looks good. There was one on the menu that I saw that well, it didn't have a sauce. So I just assumed, okay, that's normal uh, French fries. Um, maybe you could get ketchup or whatever. But the funny thing is, is that like five minutes later, the waiter comes by with a plate, not for us, but for the table next to us, of uh, patata brava. Yeah. And the disappointing thing is, is like we're talking about different cuts of potato here. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was hoping to order, yet we just got french fries. Which like is fine was, because it came with like an alioli sauce, that which was, was nice, really good. But the texture of a, a brava potato. Different. So the, the brava is, a, is the sauce, really. It's this... Quasi-spicy sauce. Spanish people say it's spicy, but, they, it's not but spicy. the Spanish doesn't—they don't like spicy, really yeah. spicy. So yeah. it's it's their level of spicy. Yeah, which exactly. Is not, which is not much. It's not very spicy. Oh, pica, pica mucho. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's flavorful uh, though. It is flavorful, but it's the type of 
the type of uh, or cut of potato, it's more like a potato wedge. I would call it like a potato chunk. Yeah, chunk. Right. These yeah. and that can and they're vary. Like double fried. And that varies depending on your restaurant. But the ones that, that were here, they were like cubes. Did you notice that? They literally look they like look good. cubes. They, they look, look good. good. Yeah. Last time we were in Barcelona, I was with uh, a friend of ours, and we he ended up ordering the the bravas. He says that he judges a restaurant, a new place that he goes to, first by having their their uh, patata brava and their vermouth. I was oh. like, you drink vermouth, old man? What are you doing? Yeah, vermouth is a little weird, but I get it with the it, potato. It's very popular in Spain, though, having uh, a vermouth cocktail, especially as, a, as a, an aperitivo. Well, but you know, that's also something that I think is a little Portuguese as well, because when we go over to our uh, friend's house who are a little older, she always offers, she asks if we want vermouth. That's right. So, and and by, <laughs> by our friend, what Kaylee means is, uh, our landlord, yeah. uh, we have a good relationship with our landlord and he's, he's invited us over a few times and his wife always uh, asks us if we want a vermouth. And funny enough, they have a, a daughter who's in her early 20s and she just basically laughs at her mom every time. She's like, come on yeah. mom, they're young, they don't want to drink vermouth. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that is a little bit of crossover, but you know. Uh, All right, so a, a non-Spanish food item that we had that rocked my world view oh, was was the the gelati gelati kiosk oh yeah <laughs> so we went to uh get some ice cream for valencia of course as uh, we're jam. obligated to <laughs> apparently every day when we're on vacation when we travel <laughs> my goodness yeah. um and we, we so we go to this kiosk that has ice cream and they have a bunch of standard flavors but then also they have some some ones that are a little out there and one of them was bollo de mantequilla. De, de, I said de, de mantequilla. So I'm translating that as like peanut butter cake or peanut butter batter ice cream. I don't know what it was. Guys, this ice cream was phenomenal. It was one of the richest ice creams that I've had in Europe. Um, it was good. It was very similar to like... Dave and Buster, not Dave and Buster's, uh, Brewster's. Brewster's. Right? Brewster's. Okay, yeah. So if you know what Brewster's is, it has that kind of thick, creamy texture. Brewster's has a cake batter ice cream that has this consistency that some people hate. I'm a lover of it. It was like that, but peanut flavor, peanut butter flavor. Light, yeah. It was light on the peanut flavor, but you could taste it. The cone was, or the, the cup was uh, too... 70 euros so two euros 70 cents for the cup kaylee got a An oreo shake oreo milkshake for 350 maybe 350 that's pretty big it was okay could have been a little sweeter i think but it was a bit thin wasn't it yeah maybe the milk yeah and then see it got like a strawberry bar right yep. it's like a sorbet bar kind of right yep so all, all that was under 10 euros for the three of us to have a little little sweet treat, a little snack as, as we were out and about. Guggenheim Museum. Guggenheim, uh, if you book online, is how much? 15? 16, 16 euro for an adult. If you book online, 18 if you book uh, there. But kids online, uh, yes, kids under eight uh, are free. Pretty mm -hmm. sure it's eight. Um, now, if you book online, though, you have to choose your day and your intended arrival time. So that's kind of tricky. 
but also too if they sell out of your time you can go and see if you can get in um we are entering comunidad de la rioja woohoo time for some wine no not yet not yet still driving still driving i can have some but you can't (laughs) kaylee's driving yeah always i'm the driver josh is the navigator it works well so we walked around and by the guggenheim a bunch uh, we did not carve out enough time to go in. It just, the, the timing never worked out. Since we tried to book online and the slots at the time we wanted to go were full, uh, we just didn't end up carving out enough time with Valencia. But here's what we decided when we were there, is that when we have some guests, whether it be Kaylee's parents or my family, or it, potentially Kaylee's yeah, brother. Any family members we, or friends. Who we will to. convince them to go to Bilbao. The flights from Porto to Bilbao are definitely cheap enough uh, and, and convenient enough for us to do maybe a, a three-day, right, three-day weekend or something like that. Yeah, it's over definitely doable. And uh, something that made like what we were talking about is it takes the pressure off of like forcing trying to get into the museum for maybe not as long as we would want, you know, just because if Sia wasn't feeling it, but it's like, oh, this is the only time slot we have. Um, you know, we thought, well, we'll just be back. So we walked around it, saw the outside, and we'll go back another time. Definitely. We, we both really like Bilbao. Love Bilbao. Love the Guggenheim. Um, it just reaffirmed why I'm a fan, at least of the architecture of it. Mm-hmm. it just, it's just stunning. It is a stunning building to see. And it's in a great area, Frank too. Frank Geary. My guy. The building the architect. Itself. Josh yeah. really likes it. I'm but the area is so pretty too. It's right by the river. There's so much to do as well. The playgrounds, there was live music going on in a little kiosk, like a little cafe that was right nearby. I mean, it's just about, they do it well. It's really nice. All right, so as with our videos that we do on YouTube, um, we're also gonna rate these places on a scale of, would you expat that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we, we will give them a one to five rating after we say whether we would expat it or not. Uh, so, Kaylee, Bilbao, would you expat that? Yes, this, this is a very easy one. Sometimes on the videos, I kind of falter back and forth, and I'm like, oh, this is a tough one because there's pros and, and cons. But this is this is an easy one. Um, and we will be doing a video on Bilbao on Expat Everywhere Explorers, our second channel. Um, so, spoiler alert. Bolo. But, <laughs> yes, Bolo, but spoiler alert as well because we'll ask the same question. Uh, yes, I would 100% uh, live in Babao. It's great. Yeah, same. Um, I would absolutely expat that. I think the cost of living is, is good and uh, we could afford it. <laughs> That's always good. That's so, why it's good. Yeah. But for those of you who might be worried, we're not moving from Portugal to, no, to Bilbao. No. But I would say it's on our radar yeah. as a potential future option yeah yeah but definitely another visit not any not any time soon though no far future uh, so in terms of of like ratings one to five what would you give bilbao as as a city in terms of livability four only a four. Oh, why you'd give it a five i'd give it a five I don't know. I'm always hesitant is, on or, surveys or, and stuff to like give the 100. Yeah, percent <laughs> You know, yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there like that. No, not not an A. To me, it's like an A plus. Oh. Like, so I don't know. It seems seems where I feel like there may be were some faults, 
Maybe if I can't think of them right now, so, so it's got to be a four. <laughs> so five is perfection is what you're saying. Yes, yes. If, so that is hard. Maybe I shouldn't rate it like that. Well, but if, if, if that's the actual scale, then, and, and I've got to stick to that scale. If you're making me stick to that scale, well, we then like it's, 4. A, 5? it's a four. No, I don't like halves. <laughs> you don't like halves? I don't like halves, no. Complicates no, it too much. No, they don't. It's just, it's, it gets very ugly with averages. So I would, if you're going to say that a five is perfection, um, See, see, but Porto, where, Porto wouldn't where, even get a five. That's what I'm saying. Is where would we actually have perfection? A five? I don't, I don't know if that's that the, city that's the actually problem. exists. That's the problem. With Maybe it, I need to change my rating. Then. Ooh, I've got my Kaylee rating to change. Scale. Well, no, I mean, if you if you call it perfection, <laughs> then it's but isn't true. That There's what it is? no city. There's no city that's perfect. Okay. Right. Like even Singapore. I mean, I really like Singapore, and maybe I would rate it as a five, but you have stuff like maybe like the Humidity. weather, yeah, 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 you know, would be, would be I agree. kind of a tough thing. So I it's agree. like that could knock it down to a four to a little less than perfection. I agree. All right, so if we're going off of Josh's scale, where <laughs> five is one. perfection, then... <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, no sorry, we're, That's your scale. Right, where five is not perfection, but five is just like really, really good. It's a great Then scale. I'll go with five. It's but if five, we're yeah. going off of five being perfection, <laughs> then I will go with a 4.5. <laughs> Oh man, what a mess. There's no halves. For sure we gotta well, say there's no halves. Okay, so the, I guess I didn't really say one of the knocks for me with the city um, would be the parking. So if you have a car, uh, the parking is disastrous. Oh, Josh the was having a rager today when we were looking is, for parking. The good thing is, is that the public transportation system is really good, it's quality, it's varied meaning that you have buses and you have a metro, uh, so you have options there. Uh, we did not have to take a taxi, so we're not sure like how good or what the prices are of taxis. We'll have to look that up. We'll, we will include that in the YouTube video, uh, or at least to mention that. But yeah, uh, Bilbao is, is a five. It's a, it's a great city, it's got a lot going on. Solid five, all right then. We're heading to Logroño now, and we hope to do some uh, some wine sampling, yeah, and, and really to see what that city's about because there's two places, there's two communities in Spain that we did not visit while we were living in Madrid, and we're gonna check both of those off the list, or at least the continental ones off the list. We have La Rioja and Navarra; those are two places we haven't been, so we're checking out the principal cities of both and we're gonna see what there is to do and what the comparisons are with Logroño and, and one of maybe the Portugal sister cities that it has. Right, because these are some smaller cities, so we're hoping to find something that uh, is comparable. All right, now let's get moving. Bye. Bye. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off.
So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 